For this cause also thank we God without season. Because when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Father, we thank you for your word. And we need you. God, let us not fear faces. Let us be faithful to you. God, we pray that hearts would be awakened and that souls would be risen anew and you will get the glory and you will get the praise for it's in Jesus Christ's name I ask and I pray and amen Uh, as a pastor and as a shepherd over sheep God has given me uh, spiritual discernment if he lets me feel certain questions that arise in you hearers and in the church. And if you've ever wondered why I preach the way that I preach and why I believe the way that I believe, I'm sure you've asked some questions about what, how I do things. Some people might ask and say, why? Does he go through books of the Bible? Why does he use so many verses to make sense of one verse? Why don't he preach more on this topic or that topic? Why don't he just preach what's familiar to me? Namely what they're saying when they say that. Why don't he preach what I like to hear? Why does he tell me this and that? He's not my boss. So why is he telling me how to live my life? If you ever wonder why my conviction about God's word is the way it is, I'll simplify it down to a short sentence. God works through his word. God works Through his word. Not David's word. God's word. That's why I do what I do. But in the age we live in. And in the culture that we live in. The word of God's being attacked. And it's being abandoned. It's being attacked by the world. And it's being abandoned by the church. By Christians. Who say they believe the Bible. But they're departing from the Bible. There's a crisis in America and in the American church. And John MacArthur writes on this crisis in his book called Final Word. And this is what he says, and I want to read it to you. Congregations sit listening to sermons from pastors who have been conditioned to evaluate a Elevate methodology, culture cues, and entertainment in order to attract a crowd rather than to uh, serve an assembly of true worshipers who are able to understand, articulate, and defend the truth of God revealed in Scripture. He says the Bible is regularly 
treat it superficially and routinely taken out of context, resulting in a generation that has no expectation that the preacher would handle the Word of God accurately. Rather, people are trained to treat the Bible like it's a book that they are free to manipulate, to twist any way that they please. And he says it exposes and makes their view of Scripture low. That's most churches. Draw a crowd, get a bigger paycheck, make people more pleased instead of making saints of God who grow in godliness. And we're in desperate need in our hour to have saints of God who are founded firmly on the Word of God. And it starts in the church. And when it starts in the church, it'll grow out of the church. So do you ask me the question, why do I focus on the Bible as much as I do in my preaching? If you ask that question, I believe the Apostle Paul in this verse, in the book of Thessalonians, gives us the reason to why we should be very centered upon God's Word. I don't have to defend myself and what I do. Paul defends it for me in this verse. First thing I want you to see is to cause the cause as to why the Word works. Paul knew who made the Word work. And he says, for this cause, I also thank we God without season. Paul knew who deserved to be praised. Paul knew where the pointed worship should be. And it's not on a crazy preacher or on one that's culturally fitting that molds the church and persuades the church in such a way to stir them up. Paul says, no, it's the one who does everything according to his will. God. God's the cause and the effect of everything that happens through his word. What happened that made Paul thank God for them? What was it? In verse 4 in chapter 1, you'll find that he says, Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Namely, that he was born into the family of God. And Paul's saying, I give thanks to God who saved your soul, who birthed you into the family of God. And I thank him for it. He's the one that works it. Not the persuasion of the preacher, but God born them again. And then we find a little bit later in the first chapter that they abandoned their idols. They had many idols, false gods built up. And Paul says, you departed from them false gods to follow Jesus. You was his reflection. You became the imitator of Jesus. You became Christ-like Christian. And you become a witness for Jesus. He says, you spread abroad the word of God. 
And Paul's given every drop of the praise not to his authority, not to his persuasion, not to his fancy eloquence, but basically or only he's given it to God because he knows God is the one that works through his word. Paul thanks him for it. He knew that the decisive reason as to why they changed in their lifestyle and the reason why they were saved in Christ is because God did it. And if we're going to have God work in this church, if we're going to have his power reigning in the lives of the members and of the preacher, the thing that must be at the forefront is God's word. It's the thing that holds the uh, way we should live. It's the thing that gives us the information that we need to know. Don't you think the word's important if God thought it necessary to make a book so that you would know how to follow him? If we want God to work, we must do it through his word. And if we don't do it through his word, God's not at work. Many's being persuaded and doing read after me's. That's not the work of God. That's the work of man. And Jesus said, no man can come unto me except my father who sent me draws him. Not repeat after me. I'll slay it because it's damning and deceiving souls to hell. Paul writes in Romans, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, then you'll be saved. We want God to work and he works through his word. This is what Isaiah writes in Isaiah 55 verses 10 through 11. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the either. God says, so shall my word be that goeth out from my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. Namely, God saying, you want fruit in the church? Focus on my word. You want souls to be arisen anew? Focus on my word. You want darkness to be shown light? Preach the word or focus on the word. That's what he's saying. It feeds saints. It brings life to the dead. And it works. The word is the gas that powers the church. So when you abandon the word, you abandon the power of God. And Jesus said, my words are spirit and my word is truth. Number two, the means unto which God has called to proclaim his word. How does God show his word? He calls men like Paul. He calls people who he has designated to have their face in the word that they might explain the word to you and what it says. 
What does Paul say in the text? You received the word of God which ye heard of us. Paul spoke it, but it wasn't his message. The word makes the preacher effective, not the preacher. Can I repeat that? The word of God makes the preacher anything if he's anything. Not the preacher. The word is the focus of the preacher because it's given by God to be the toolbox that the preacher needs. And everything in God's toolbox or his word has everything that the preacher or pastor will ever need. Do I get that from scripture? 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness sake. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished or equipped unto all good works. God's given all that you need and all that I need in his book, in his word. It bothers me when I go to church and nobody opens a Bible. It hurts me. His sheep are supposed to be fed by his word. And it bothers me. It hurts me. Makes me afraid. Because the Bible warned about the day. When the land will face a famine, a famine, and it'll be a famine of the word of God. So the preacher preaches the word, not his fancy, not his persuasive talk, not his psychology talks, not his sociology talks. He preaches the word. Are we, are you with me? That's what God requires of God's men. To be men of his word. And, they, and God gave them men for his body. For the church. Ephesians 4.11 he says, He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For the perfecting of saints. For the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body. Preachers are there for the people, not for their dictatorship. They're there to preach the word, to handle it accurately, to pour their heart into what they do so that you would know the truth and stand for it and live your life based upon it. Because to lay to every preacher's charge is Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Study to show thyself approved. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Preacher's job are to preach. To carry a message. What message? God's word. How do you preach God's word? You open God's word. And you read God's word. And you give the sense of God's word. Nehemiah, why do we stand in this church? Because when Nehemiah read, they stood. When Nehemiah read, he then gave the sense of the scripture. That's the preacher's job. 
And the way I am is convicted deeply. Because I know when I stand before him, he will look at me. And judge me whether I've been faithful or flipping flopping his word. Whether I preached it with accuracy or I've pulled back from the truth a little bit so it would please people. He didn't call me to compromise. He called me to be faithful. What are we to do with the word when it is preached though? And I listen to preaching. I still get fed by preaching. Every single day I listen to preaching. What do we do with it? Look in the verse again. Ye received it. Not as word of men. But as it is in truth the word of God. God's man don't speak his stories. He don't crack jokes. When there's... Souls lost and on their way to hell. He doesn't make it funny. He makes it seem like the urgency that it really is. That if your life is took from you, you will wake up in the pit forever and ever and ever you will burn. That's not funny. And it really bothers me. Jesus never cracked a joke. Paul never cracked a joke. Peter never cracked a joke. The apostle John never cracked a joke. It's the truth. He's not here to be an entertainer to you. No preacher is. He's there to build you up as a saint of God. And to tell you God's word. And we should receive it. Sweet or sour. Tough to swallow or easy to swallow. Sweet to the taste or bitter to the taste. We should receive God's word. And not get angry at the preacher. If he's in the book, he's not preaching you his thoughts. He's preaching you what God has declared for him to preach preach to you. So our opinions and our presumptions and our own ideas when it comes to word, the word of God and it don't align, we got to overcome ourselves and our selfishness and our own opinions and bow humbly to what God's book says. And Paul says they received it. They received it. We bow humbly because every thought, every idea, every opinion of anybody but God is false and wrong if it's not in alliance to His truth. And this is what Peter gives counsel to his saints back in their day. And this is the counsel that I'm trying to give to you. As newborn babes... Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. First Peter chapter 2 verse 2. The word of God is what the saints are fed by. It's what the saints are grown by. It's the nutrients that the sheep need from their shepherd. It comes from him. And it comes from his book. 
Spiritual maturity will never happen in your life outside the Word of God. Your growth as a Christian will never happen outside the Word of God. People will never be born again outside the Word of God. They won't. And then Paul says the Word is effective. But how and when is it affected? Effective. He says, which effectually worketh also in you that belief. It's effective when you receive it. It's not effective when you're a Pharisee, like the Pharisees and scribes and are self-righteous and puff up with your pride and say, no, that's not for me. It's effective when you say, yep, that's, to, that's for me. That's helping me. And when you pray, Lord, the plight to my heart, make it not just be another talk that the preacher said and I forget it when I leave the doors. But make it settle inside my soul. What does the word do? The word's effective in numerous ways when it's received. First way it's effective, it gives life. It borns people into the family of God. I've quoted it a lot of times here. Peter says, you're born again not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. <coughs> then Paul writes, I think it's Paul. He says, faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The way you were saved is someone told you the gospel and you received the gospel. And when you received the gospel, you, gave, you was born again by the spirit of God. Through his word that you heard. And God worked in his word to draw you unto him. That's what happened. And after you're saved, that is you're justified. Then you begin to be sanctified. Or made more holy. Made more separated. Made more set apart for the work of the Lord. How's that happen? John 17, 17, Jesus says, sanctify them. How? Sanctify them through your truth. Thy word is truth. The word is the guide that keeps us from stumbling in a dark world. Psalm 119, 105. The word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And the word gives us spiritual discretion. Spiritual wisdom. If we have it in us. It dictates our choices in life. Wisely according to his truth. Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. Your own opinion of the way it should be. The way you should live your life. But in all thy ways acknowledge him. And then he shall direct your paths. It's not more than just something a preacher gets up and yells about. It's something that should dictate and drive your life. And it's the only weapon that we have in the warfare that we face. The Word is the only weapon. 
Ephesians 6, 17, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's the only piece of attack we have as a Christian. What, when Jesus in Matthew 4, he was tempted by the devil. Over and over again, three times he was tempted. How did Jesus overcome the temptation of the devil? Time and time again, he quoted the scripture to Satan. And the third time after he quoted another scripture, it says that Satan then departed from him. You say, why can I overcome what I'm facing? This sin that's got a grip on me. Why can I overcome it? Because you don't have an arsenal of the truth inside you that will shoot down the temptation that the devil throws at you. It's the word. And it allows us to fight the good fight and not give the victory to Satan or to our flesh and to ourself. To accept Jesus is to be his follower. To be his follower means to know his agenda. To know his agenda is to know his word. There's surveys all on the internet if you want to look at them about Christians and their view of the word. They say they hold the word real high that it's the word of God but the percentage of who actually open it and read it is very low. There's something wrong with that line. If you're following Jesus, you want to know Jesus' word. And from Genesis to Revelation is Jesus. The promised seed in John, uh, Genesis chapter 3, Jesus. The ark, when Noah built the ark, Jesus. Abraham. Isaac. Isaac said, Dad, where's the offering? Son, God will provide the offering. Jesus. Genesis 12 or Exodus 12. The blood on the doorpost, Jesus. The Red Sea, which wiped away Pharaoh and his chariots, Jesus. He's in there from cover to cover, friend. It prophesies of him. It shadows him. It typifies him. It teaches what he taught. And it shows us everything we need to know. The word is utterly crucial. So we focus on the word why? Because God works through his word. I'll say this, will you allow the word to work effectually in you today? Because his word says, you are a sinner. And his word says that God so loved you that he sent his only begotten son. His word says that he made him to be sin who knew no sin that you might be declared the righteousness of God. The word says today is the day where you can be saved. The word says without any doubt, without any rebuttal, without any controversy, the only way that you're getting to heaven is to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
The the word says you must. Will you let it work? Will you receive it? Because it will change your life. It will turn your world upside down. It will save you and secure you forever. Isaiah said those who are Jesus's are engraved in his hand. Jesus said in the 10th chapter of John, if I'm not mistaken, that we're in his hand, his father's hand, and nobody's able to pluck us out of his hand. Uh, Ephesians 4.30 says we're sealed by the Spirit until the day of redemption. Word says you must believe. You must. You must repent. What is repentance? Knowing you're sinful. Knowing that you are dead in trespasses and sin. Know that you abuse God's glory. You belittled it for your sin. All sin and come short of the glory of God. And God says. In his word. That as to as many as believed on him. To them he gave power. The efficiency. That Paul's speaking of. He says you believe the word. And it effectually worked in you. Powered in you. That you might be the son or daughter of God. But you got to believe. Jesus says. In his word Jesus did. Not Paul or somebody else. Jesus did. He says that there's two destinations. That there's two places that people end up for eternity. And in Luke chapter 16, he teaches the two destinations. He said one destination It's where the rich man went. Lived it up on earth. Had all the wealth, the prosperity, and the health. But it says in hell lifted up his eyes. Says he was tormented in this flame. But there was a beggar that sat outside his mansion. Who lived a horrible life on this side of eternity. But he was comforted. And he was in heaven. That's the two destinations. And your destination hinges on whether or not you receive this word or you reject this word. Receive it today. Be saved before it's too late.